So, hey, welcome everyone to this brand story episode about epic product failures. Because, I mean, who doesn't love a good crash and burn story? We've had so many successful brand leaders and entrepreneurs. It's important to see where play, where failure plays a part. Um, it's a big part of business. It's a big part of personal development. And, um, you know, corporations are constantly coming up with new products. But what happens when the big brands get it badly wrong. This is a compilation of just a few top stories of when the public rejects big business, its marketing machine, and its failed products. It's a reminder that no corporation, no organization on the planet is too big to fail on any enterprise. Just like success, failure is a part of doing business. Entrepreneurs, uh, large companies often take huge risks, hoping for success, but not always achieving it. These failures take many forms, right? When a product doesn't sell, when it's recalled or it's discontinued, or when it otherwise doesn't come close to meeting a company's expectations or the plans that it laid out for its investors, its shareholders, its the public, the expectations that were set aren't met, it could be marked as a failure. While failures are expected sometimes, some can be so catastrophic that they could lead to permanent damage to a company's reputation, layoffs, or even complete financial ruin. This is, there's a, there's a vast graveyard that we found of like thousands and thousands of poorly inspired and even worse presented products. Some of them surprisingly could have been good. While many, let's just say, we wish we were a fly on the wall in the boardroom when they did their pitch and we could see the glazed eyes drunk with death by PowerPoint or video snippets led them to approve some of these Hindenburg-like products. So this will be a short segment. We're just going to go over kind of like the top 10 that we found that are just most prevalent that most people have heard of. One of the first ones is Google Glass, right? The company is Google. The year it got introduced was 2013. And what it was is it was a wearable technology. They were glasses and they would use, you know, um, uh, augmented reality, and they would connect with all of your other Google apps and things like that. So as you're walking along, the vision is that stores would be advertising, there'd be notices and things, and they would pop up on these glasses. I mean, Google first announced Google Glass, which was an eyeglass-shaped head-mounted display with smartphone capabilities to the public in 2012. You could still find the ads on YouTube. Um, they were pretty cool uh, in the beginning. The announcement began with a statement of principle, quote, we think technology should work for you to be there when you need it and get out of your way when you don't, unquote. Couldn't agree more. It's exactly right. Unfortunately, it was a colossal miss. After two years of very disappointing sales, it was clear that consumers were simply not ready yet. Maybe the timing was wrong. It was clear that they didn't need Google Glass. Google stuck to its principle, but in 2015 discontinued the product's development. There were privacy concerns. There were tons of bugs and glitches. There was a low battery life. There were bans from public spaces. So there's a lot of businesses, organizations, and governments that kind of banned the use of them in certain public spaces. And there was just a simple inability to live up to the hype, all stymied the public adoption of the technology. 
But Google's not alone in its vision and its short-stepping. If we rewind 15, 20 years or so um, to another leading tech company, Apple. The year it was introduced was 1993. It was a personal digital assistant. Do you remember what it was called? For those of you over 35 years old, it was called the Newton. And it was the precursor to the pilot, uh, to the Palm Pilot, and to a lot of the modern day smartphones and smart tablets. Now, while the personal digital assistant would become a popular consumer electronics product in the late 90s, the first PDA was one of the biggest product flops of all time. One year after Apple CEO John Scully, who, as you recall, Steve Jobs had brought on to Apple, and then ultimately they removed Jobs and Scully took over. Scully came from Pepsi. Um, he coined the term PDA, actually, in 1992. The company released the Newton Message Pad. While the device incorporated innovative technology such as a pen-based touchscreen and the ability to sync with software on a personal computer, Apple only sold, check this out, 50,000 units of the product. That's it. Apple sells millions of devices within days. And at the time, they only sold 50,000 units. The Newton product line was completely discontinued shortly thereafter and was deemed one of the largest um, tech failures in that decade. And so now shifting gears a little bit away from tech, there is the infamous, I don't even know, it's a consumable, right? It came out from none other than Frito-Lay. It was introduced in 2005 and it was a lip balm. It was called the Cheetos Lip Balm. Yeah, you heard that right. Popular lip balm brands such as Chapstick, Blistex, and Burt's Bees have successfully sold their products to Americans for decades. Many prefer such flavored varieties like cherry, mint, vanilla bean. You get it, right? Not every popular flavor can be successfully turned into a lip balm, however. This is a lesson that Pepsi Company, a subsidiary uh, its subsidiary Frito-Lay learned the hard way in 2005. While Cheetos has been a popular snack for more than six decades, the Cheetos flavored lip balm failed to catch on with consumers and was quickly scrapped within less than a year. So, so much for uh, Cheetos or maybe even Taco Bell lip balm coming out soon again. Now, sticking with uh, consumables, rewind about 30 years, and this is probably one of the more famous failures, right? Uh, the company, Coca-Cola, right? A hundred plus year old company. Uh, back in 1985, uh, the soft drink was uh, uh, created called what? New Coke, right? Because the success of Coke wasn't good enough. They needed a new formula because it was the 80s, man. So over the 15 years leading up to 1985, Coca-Cola's flagship cola drink had been losing market share to Pepsi. To compete, the company literally changed the drink's formula. And that wasn't any big feat. That was the first time they changed the Coke formula 
in 99 years. But the move today is considered one of the greatest business flops of all time. New Coke was met with public outrage. There were events where people were like filmed and recorded pouring it out in vast quantities and it lasted only a few months. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars in redesigning the new formula and the entire campaign fizzled within a quarter or two. The company reintroduced its older formula, now rebranded as Coca-Cola Classic. Now, returning to somewhat modern times in 2007, that was a breakout year for the main horsemen in technology. That was the year that Apple Steve Jobs got on stage and introduced the iPhone. That clearly was a product uh, that changed the course of the world. That same year, Microsoft came out with a new operating system. It was 2007, and they came out with Windows Vista. And anybody old enough to remember this remembers that they introduced it in 2007 as a follow-up to Windows XP, which was a global hit. Uh, the Windows Vista operating system was everything its popular predecessor, though, was not in all the wrong ways. It was panned by customers and IT professionals alike. Uh, Vista wound up reducing PC performance. It caused a number of internet problems for users. Um, as a result, Dell even began offering Windows XP again on new laptops just a few short months after Vista was introduced. I remember getting a new computer with Vista and the only cool thing I thought was like the layout and the clock and that's it. But the operating system was filled with bugs. It was slow. Nothing seemed to work. New software that was applied on it never seemed to be compatible. It was just a colossal cluster. Um, Windows announced uh, that they, you know, they stopped providing Vista support years ago. And they drove the final nail into that operating system's coffin. So that was pretty obvious one, right? But what happens when some brands go too far off stream or off, like they get out of their lane? So, so here's one that's a, that's a perfect example of it. Colgate, right? Everybody knows Colgate, right? It's been around forever, right? It's been around 100, 100 years plus. Um, it's a phenomenal name in the toothpaste and dental hygiene industry. It's a great brand. Well, back in 1982, they did something where it just seemed to where they stretched too far outside of their lane. They were outside of their wheelhouse. Many of the worst product flops in recent memory were caused by otherwise popular brands wandering too far outside of their area of expertise. Here's an example. Colgate frozen kitchen entrees. Colgate frozen kitchen entrees. Colgate kitchen entrees may be the best example of this type of product failure. When it came to pre-prepared frozen meals, Americans, especially in the 80s, the time of TV dinners and things like that, they had plenty of options, right? Perhaps because consumers naturally associated the Colgate 
nickname with toothpaste, there was never an appetite for pre-made meals bearing the Colgate logo. And it was quickly canned shortly after a major advertising and research and development um, campaign was put in. There was a lot of damage from that failed attempt. Another example of when companies go a bit too far outside of their uh, uh, wheelhouse was, uh, it can be found in Harley Davidson. Now, Harley Davidson is one of the phenomenal brands in America. People literally, we talk about it on the show all the time, people literally get the Harley Davidson logo tattooed on their bodies, right? It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a brand that is part of the American, you know, free roaming culture. And, um, uh, but back in 1994, they went a little bit too far out of their wheelhouse. Carly Savinson, I mean, it's an iconic and valuable brand. It's one of the most valuable brands in the world. No, no, no doubt about it. It's also one of the most masculine brands. Let's just face it. It is. The company has not deviated considerably from this manly personality, although it did try back in 1994. The company released legendary Harley Davidson cologne and perfumes, among several other varieties, and they started it in 1994. Um, they also cre released a perfume called Black Fire, which hit the market even recently as 2005. All were immediately discontinued. The backlash was swift. It was fast. Consumers did not want it. In the 1990s, the company released a number of other products, including wine coolers, aftershave, but each one has failed miserably and has also become classic cases of brand overextension. So as we get down to the last three, uh, there's some of the, the three uh, kind of most interesting ones. Uh, this car uh, was introduced by the DeLorean Motor Company in 1981. It was a sports car. You all know it, right? It's all from uh, uh, the, the Back to the Future movie, right? Um, but here's the real story about it. The DeLorean DMC-12. It was uh, created, designed, and um, pushed out by the DeLorean Motor Company. Back in 1981, it was a sports car. So here's what happened. In 1973, about eight years earlier, auto executive John DeLorean, he left General Motors to form the DeLorean Motor Company. And after years of production delays, they never really had a car that came out. So the DeLorean DMC finally got released right in the beginning of 1981, in January 1981. Now the car's unique design was very cool. As we look at it today, it is everybody can picture that silver kind of box. It almost kind of looks like the Tesla truck miniaturized. Like it's 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 got a unique design. But back in the eighth, it was really poorly received. Um, and in fact, just a year later, um, less than half of the seven thousand units had even been sold. Think about that. Think of how many hundreds of thousands of cars need to be produced to justify all of that mass production. And after two years, they had sold less than 7,000 units. 
the DeLorean was widely recognized due to its use as a converted time machine in the Back to the Future movie series, starring Michael J. Fox, right? But the first of these movies didn't come out until 1985. Problem was, DeLorean had filed for bankruptcy three years earlier. So the ill-fated brand had ended before its cultural significance even began. Another example, our second to last, of the um, kind of attempt to change the American culture and large failures came in the U.S. Football League. Um, those of you over maybe 40, 45 might remember this. Uh, it was formed by a company, USFL. Uh, it was introduced back in 1982, and it was a sports league. It was conceived as a way to satiate Americans' appetite for football in the spring and summer months, right? Um, leave football for the fall and winter, and then we can keep it going in the spring and summer through the U.S. Football League. Uh, they started it back in 82. The league originally consisted of 12 teams, one of which the New Jersey Generals was actually owned by President Donald Trump. The league was beset with problems from the beginning, not the least of which was finding stadiums to play in. Um, they didn't deliver the messaging right. They didn't deliver the brand right. They just thought people would want it. They would try and build it and people would let them build it and they would come and nobody came. Ultimately, over half a dozen teams folded within a year or two, and the league's brain trust decided to completely directly compete with NFL by scheduling the games in the fall. That was a huge mistake because that was the whole point of doing it in the first place was to keep it going year round. So just a few short years later, by 1985, the entire league was canned. So as we end this episode, I want to end it with one of the most interesting uh, brand flops, which really should never have been, right? It's a really remarkable player. In 2006, you know, back in the day, 2005, 2006, 2007, the, uh, the iPod, you know, was it, right? Right before Jobs got on stage in 2007 and talked about the iPhone, which was the combination of the phone, the iPod, the personal computer, all in the palm of your hand. The iPod was the thing. We all had it. I mean, you could walk around because of the messaging that they had. You can walk around with a thousand songs in your pocket, play it anywhere, et cetera. Well, there were still glitches. There were usability concerns. There was, um, you know, uh, uh, the interface wasn't all that good. The dial wasn't all that good on the, on, on the iPod. Um, and Microsoft in 2006 had a device that in many, many people's opinions was far superior. It was called the Zune, the Microsoft Zune. It was an MP3 player, and it was a direct attempt to compete with Apple's dominant iPod MP3 player. They released the Zune in 2006. Um, but I mean, just a few years later, they wound up discontinuing all streaming, downloading, and other music services for the Zune. In the fourth quarter, of, uh, of the fiscal year a few years later, just three years later, Microsoft recorded a 42% decline in revenue of its non-gaming devices segment, a decline largely attributed to the Zune's poor performance. Now, while the device might have been a reasonable choice for consumers, 
Another, a number of reported bugs did not help sales. On December 31st, 2008, most if not all of the 30 gigabit Zunes stopped functioning simply because the underlying code had failed to account for the extra day in leap years. What's interesting is it, it was all it was also about the philosophy of the companies, right? The Zune had a sleek design. It worked flawlessly up until, you know, the end of 2008 when they didn't code it right. But it, it, it had more memory. It was really, really a smooth device, but they didn't market it. They didn't present it well. They didn't communicate it, right? They talked about the features and benefits, but not what it could do to change your life. Um, and that was one of the largest uh, fails uh, for a company that's been on this list a couple times. So we hope you enjoy this segment. And uh, it just goes to show that, you know, corporations are constantly coming up with new products, right? But what happens when big brands get it badly wrong, right? Um, you know, it's a reminder that no organization on the planet is too big to fail. And just like success, failure is part of doing business. All right. Hope you enjoyed it. And as always, thanks for listening.